We're outside the travel agency, a cannabis store that's got everyone buzzing. I've been to dispensaries all over the United States, but I've never seen one this unique. So nice. Amazing vibe. Some of the best customer service I've had in a store. Blows my expectations out of the water. Come down to the travel agency and see for yourself. For use only by adults age 21 and older. Keep out of reach of children and pets. In case of accidental ingestion or overconsumption, contact the National Poison Control Center. Consume responsibly. I'm getting tired of your bullshit. I'm tired of your voice. I'm getting tired of the way you leave me hanging with no choice. If you would ask me long ago, back when you seduced me, yeah, I felt like a domino, but I knew you were liability. He said, baby, I've been dying to see you. Hello and welcome to Investigate Earth Podcast. I'm your host, Chad, alongside my beautiful wife, Sherry. On tonight's podcast, we also have a very special guest. By the name of Sam, which I will introduce Sam here in just a minute. But what we're going to be talking about tonight is Disease X, the World Economic Forum, and really just how close we are to this world just completely crumbling. This is something that so many people are pretty nervous about. Obviously, Disease X has been trending on X. Um, You have the World Economic Forum in Davos coming up in two days. The January 15th is when this year's Davos annual meeting begins. Uh, with elites from around the world that are there to also simulate this disease X. We'll talk about all that stuff, but Sam, welcome to the show. Hey guys, what's up? I feel like this is a uh, long time listener, first time caller situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, so Sam has been a listener of ours for a while. We've had a few conversations with her, uh, probably, I guess what, over the past six months, a year, I guess has been. Yeah, about six months, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, Sherry, welcome. Well, thank you for welcoming me. And hey, Sam, <laughs> it's so good to talk to you again. I think we talked to you like two nights ago. So hey, what's up? <laughs> we did. Hey again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but guys, we there's just so much going on in the world right now. And obviously doing this episode, there's a lot of things that we could talk about with Sam because Sam, you know, she like we said, she's listened to us for a while. She kind of shares a lot of the same knowledge and, and theories and thoughts and, and all that stuff as we do. Um, but I feel like the thing that's on a lot of people's minds, obviously, right now is the World Economic Forum, uh, why they're going to be simulating a disease X type scenario. Um, we've this is very similar also to Event 201, which they did just before COVID-19 mm-hmm. come out. And a lot of people are speculating, do we know what disease X is? Is it a hypothetical or is it a real disease? And I think it's kind of, you know, coincidental, I guess you should say, but as Disease X started trending, once everyone started finding out that, hey, um, Davos, Switzerland, and the World Economic Forum is going to be simulating a Disease X-type scenario um, this coming week, then uh, there was also some doctors come out that talked about this new virus in a Chinese lab, um, which we don't, I don't think, know the exact name for this virus, but I think it is a type of coronavirus. But the scary part of it is is just how deadly it is and what they're already seeing as results and why we're letting these people still experiment on pandemic type viruses that could literally take out 90 percent of the Earth's population. And it's just so crazy when they did the last simulation before COVID actually came out and they simulated this thing. This thing was right on point. Like if you could hit a dart on the target, they hit the dark on the dart on the target. I'm telling you, the only thing different from their simulation to what actually happened was the type of coronavirus. It came from from what animal? It was mm-hmm. a pig instead of a bat. And they also simulated that it came from South America instead of China. 
which, you know, the origin of China seems to be remain pretty much in China. But I think America has a lot to do with that disease as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that. Sam, what was kind of your overall thoughts through COVID? I mean, obviously, this is the first time you've really been on with us. But what was your thoughts just on COVID-19 in general? Well, from the very beginning of it, um, I, my immediate reaction was, oh, I bet there's going to be a vaccine for this. Mm-hmm. And this was, I mean, probably January of 2020 um, when we just started hearing about cases coming in through California. And so I looked it up and sure enough, there had been um, a vaccine they had been working on for the original SARS, which was back I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that had sort of like fizzled out before it was, you know, widespread enough that there would have needed to be a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, coincidentally, very conveniently, this same type of technology was just right there to continue developing mm-hmm. into the COVID vaccine. And, you know, whether or not, I definitely think that this was a, a lab leak um, and whether or not it was just like gain of function gone wrong or it was something that was intentional. Yeah. I think, you know, in either way, our government most definitely exploited it in, in terms of conditioning us and just finding out sort of like how much we were willing to take. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Even during the event 201, they were even doing a simulation about what they would do with people that refuse the vaccine. How would they force people to take the vaccine? I mean, they went through all this stuff and it Mm -hmm. actually happened. And so they were almost already prepared for people that were not going to take the vaccine. Yeah. I think the big thing too here is that when we started hearing about the vaccine come out, obviously they had their emergency use authorization and there's been a lot of talk come out lately from various doctors, including one of our friends, Dr. Peter McCullough, which was just in uh, a House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Vaccine. Uh, They were in Washington, D.C. the past two days. Um, He was also there with Nathan. And I do believe we're going to have an interview coming up with Dr. Peter McCullough so we can talk to him about that extensively. Um, But it was people like Dr. McCullough and people like uh, um, Dr. Pierre Corey and, and some of these other ones that really tried to sound the alarm as this vaccine came out. And even Dr. Robert Malone, which was a patent holder for the original mRNA technology. Mm -hmm. And um, when you had Robert Malone coming out and saying, look, we cannot use mRNA technology for this purpose because this is what makes this very dangerous. On top of this, and this was something that um, someone else I just recently heard say, but it's like, why would you take an mRNA, which is a messenger RNA, Uh, You would take this type of technology and then you would put a spike protein from a gang of function virus from the Chinese Communist Party and inject it in everyone around the world. Sam, what is your thoughts on it? Um, I just think that for me personally, there was no way I was going to take this. I mean, we come out with a brand new technology that's not, you know, we're we're basically rolling it out to an entire population of people from Mm -hmm. adults elderly kids, you know, there are vaccines that are currently on the schedule in general that are given to women when they're pregnant, that it specifically says in, in the actual papers with the vaccine, if you go and look at all of the side effects and whatnot, that it has not been tested on pregnant women. And the reason for that is, you know, they find it to be, which is insane, um, unethical, basically to test this on pregnant women. And instead you're essentially just testing it on the population. I mean, it's so counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
And so we're going to talk, obviously, about Disease X. We're going to talk about what they're probably going to be doing in this pre-planning or the simulation uh, over in Davos, which is going to be this week. Um, but I have to play this clip from the House Select Subcommittee uh, where Dr. Peter McCullough shared his latest data on injuries caused by the mRNA COVID vaccines. I think this is extremely important. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene was a part of this committee along with so, some other Congress people. Um, but what Dr. Peter McCullough says here in this hearing, and it's about a six minute clip, but it's worth hearing. Um, and I want to let everyone know that if you are out there and you've taken this vaccine, uh, whether you were forced to or or you just felt like you needed to at the time, um, one of the things we're going to be talking to Dr. Peter McCullough when he comes on our show about is if you took this and it's something that you worry about or are concerned about, especially potentially you having the spike protein still in your body, or if you're worried from some uh, adverse outcome that may hit you in the future or whatever, um, one of the things I think that a lot of people are, are having a hard time with is just getting doctors to listen, getting mm -hmm. doctors to care enough uh, to go to them and say, look, I have had the vaccine. I'm worried about my health and safety. I'm worried about my future. Or I'm worried about getting this or this or this. Um, and that's something I really want to break down with Dr. McCullough is like, how can people do this? And does he have protocols, which I know he does, but I really want to break those down. Um, let's listen uh, real quick to this clip. This is Dr. Peter McCullough talking about the latest data that they have seen with the COVID-19 vaccine. And then we'll get into disease X. I never supported these vaccines. I never told a single patient that it was safe to take a vaccine. I didn't take a COVID-19 vaccine myself because it wasn't safe. And I published an op-ed in The Hill in August of 2020, before they came out. The title of that op-ed is The Great Gamble of the COVID-19 Vaccine Pandemic. The reason why it was a gamble is because the vaccines, and of Americans who took the vaccine, it's roughly 75% of Americans took at least one shot, according to the COVID states program. Of those, 94% took a messenger RNA vaccines. So we can re restrict our comments to messenger RNA vaccines provided by Pfizer and Moderna. These vaccines are a brand new technology that installs the genetic code for the lethal part of the virus, which is the spike protein, the spine on the surface of the virus. This was an extraordinary gamble because there was no knowledge of what was going to turn this off. Once the genetic code gets in the body, there was no knowledge of, does the body get rid of the genetic code? What shuts it off? Will some people produce too much genetic uh, 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 code and have it keep moving from cell to cell and too much spike protein? It was known then that the spike protein was lethal. And to give a genetic code for a potentially lethal protein that was devised in a Chinese biosecurity lab to Americans was the most dangerous proposition our government agencies could have ever put forward to our country. And what we've learned on this is uh, extraordinary. Castriuta and colleagues has published the messenger RNA is physically circulating in the blood for at least 28 days. That's as long as they've looked. Mm. Crossan and colleagues from Harvard has shown the messenger RNA is stuck in the human heart 30 days after the vaccine when people die. And there's inflammation around it, presumably due to the spike protein. Rolkin and colleagues from Stanford have shown the messenger RNA is stuck in human lymph nodes for at least two months. And that's as long as they've looked. Now, the spike protein, which is produced by the messenger RNA, is widely circulatory in blood and shown by Harvard, by Ogata and colleagues, Swank, 
and recently Brogna in Germany. Now, Brogna in Germany looked six months afterwards, and at least half the people who took the shots had vaccine spike proteins circulating in their bloodstream. That's as long as they've looked. And they can identify it because Pfizer and Moderna have an amino acid signature on their spike protein to let us identify. We know that it's Pfizer and Moderna. It doesn't come from the natural virus. It's coming from the vaccine. That's proven. The spike protein now, in 3,400 peer-reviewed papers and growing, is proven to cause heart damage and myocarditis Our regulatory agencies agree. Every regulatory agency in the world agrees. There's actually guidelines now in the UK and Australia about how to diagnose and manage vaccine myocarditis. That's how common this is. It accelerates atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, causes tremendous swings in blood pressure and heart rate called posterior atherostatic tachycardia syndrome or POTS, causes neurologic injury, stroke, both ischemic and hemorrhagic, Paralyzing syndromes, including Guillain-Barre syndrome, small fiber neuropathy, ear ringing. It causes blood clots. The spike protein is physically found in blood clots. The largest blood clots that we've ever seen in clinical medicine, typically a blood clot that someone would get after a hip surgery or on an airplane would be a centimeter or so. It's common in my practice. Yesterday, I saw patients with 15, 17, two feet blood clots in their legs. Oh, my God. After the vaccine, we see blood clots both on the arterial side and on the venous side. This is distinctly unusual. The body is set up after the vaccine to form blood clots. And this is particularly harmful in people with a predilection to blood clots or other provocateurs, hip surgery, uh, smoking, supplemental estrogens, prolonged immobility, uh, etc. The fourth major category where the vaccines clearly cause injury and damage is autoimmunity. The human body recognizes the spike protein as non-human. And so the body attacks its own cells in an attempt to try to fight this. And because of this, the body then expresses markers of autoimmunity that now I routinely test in my practice, the antinuclear antibody, the ANA test, which is a test we do for systemic lupus, the anti-citrullated peptide test for rheumatoid arthritis, and then the ANCA test, the antineutrophilocytoplasmic antibody test, these are now all proven in the peer-reviewed literature. These blood tests turn positive in response to the vaccine, and people develop a variety of autoimmune syndromes. This is what we're seeing clinically. So my observations are based in terms of what I'm seeing clinically, what I'm reading in the peer-reviewed literature. And in the peer-reviewed literature, Large numbers of cases are being reported. I want to cite one paper from the peer-reviewed literature, Lane and colleagues, uh, that's assembled now a series of 18,204 patients with myopericarditis. 18,000. Now, I can tell you, my whole career, I saw two cases before COVID-19. Now I am seeing myocarditis on a daily basis. The number of myocarditis cases in the United States before the pandemic was roughly 200 to 400 cases in the whole country per year. Now we're seeing this in the thousands. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And these are limited sets. Now, of those 18,204 spontaneously reported, cases, the death rate in these patients is 0.22. So fortunately, majority of people survive, but sadly, some die. In the published papers of people describing the cases, the death rate has ranged from 0.41 for myopericarditis to 45.9%. Wow. 45.9%. Hulsher and colleagues, of which I am a senior author on this paper, is now uh, ha- has a paper in the preprint server. Now it's been fully accepted to the um, uh, European Society of Cardiology Journal, has proven that myocarditis is fatal when autopsies are, conform- are, are confirmed. When the doctors suspect myocarditis, there's a 100% rate of confirmation that it's fatal myocarditis. When there's general death that's occurred in a vaccinated patient, our data suggests that it's roughly 74%. If an autopsy would be done, it would be confirmed that the, the vaccine was the cause of death. Today, a Rasmussen poll is out, and the Rasmussen poll has shown that 53% of Americans think the COVID-19 vaccines are causing serious injuries leading to large numbers of, quote, unexplained deaths. Mm -hmm. So the word is out. I've made the call on the floor uh, with Senator Johnson and a panel in the U.S. Senate, multiple state senates, the European Parliament are making the call today. The COVID-19 vaccines should be removed from the market. They're not safe for human use. Those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. McCullough. All right. So there you go. You hear him. Uh, and look, I'm very proud of Dr. McCullough. We, we told him that a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. This guy is going to go down, hopefully, as a hero that tried his very best to get this vaccine pulled. Even when it was coming out, he started seeing the markers. He knew what was going on, but what happened? Well, what you saw happen was you had mass media that was telling everybody, like people like Dr. McCullough, which is one of the most cited cardiologists in the world. I believe he's also an epidemiologist. Um, this guy has been uh, re- reviewed and, and highly regarded as one of the top cardiologists in, in the entire world. So obviously mm-hmm. he knows the effect of spike proteins, what the vaccine did um, as far as the heart goes. But once the vaccine stuff came out, plus his epidemiology, He kind of connected both of his uh, expertise and put them to work. But what happened to Dr. Peter McCullough when we did this? Well, uh, Baylor University actually sued him. They were going to try to get him out of Baylor University. He was over, I believe, the cardiology program at Baylor, which is a huge school, huge cardiology program. And actually, the day that we met with him in Atlanta was the day that he they were I think they what they do. They dropped the lawsuit or they threw it it out. And he was like very happy about that. But it all goes back to them wanting to sue doctors that were trying to give real information, but they call it misinformation or disinformation, where Mm -hmm. in fact they wouldn't even listen to these doctors to even let them have a word because it wasn't peer-reviewed enough when the vaccine first came out. Yeah. Yeah, Sam, what do you think would be the reason why all mass media would just blatantly ignore this? I mean, obviously obviously when you have doctors like Peter McCullough and so many others that came out and said – 
you know, look, this is what is happening. Uh, we think that this could potentially kill a lot of people. Um, at the very least, there was already markers coming out for myocarditis, which heart inflammation, pericarditis. But no one cared. Instead, they just tried to strip his medical license, get him canceled, all of this. Um, did you ever did you ever have thoughts on that during that whole process of of just the vaccine rollout? Yeah, um, actually, I'll touch on a couple of things. So he brought up in particular about there being a rise in the autoimmune disorders. Mm. And this is not unique to the COVID vaccine. This is actually something that they saw with the HPV vaccine when it was rolled out. And incidentally, that vaccine was also fast-tracked, which means that it did not go through the standard procedure that normally a vaccine would. Mm -hmm. They were able to get a fast-track through the FDA. And as you and I were actually speaking about on the phone the other night, there are so many of the agencies within our government who, incidentally, um, people within those agencies are able to move directly from those agencies over to boards in the private sector, for instance, from the FDA onto the board of Pfizer, Moderna, any of these other pharmaceutical companies that are producing these vaccines. Yeah. And you know, prior even to that, there was a vaccine in the 80s. A lot of people probably don't even know this, perhaps even in the medical field, if they're you know younger. Um, it was the DTP vaccine, which was the one now um, it's considered the Tdap. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. It mm-hmm. uses an aerobic molecule. Um, but that one had severe side effects to the point that the vaccine manufacturers were being sued so much that they actually went to Congress. And we ended up with what's called the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. And that is what um, prevented you from being able to sue a vaccine manufacturer directly. Hmm. And it's interesting because most people had no idea about this until the COVID vaccine. And people really started to wake up and they started to find out, hey, these vaccine manufacturers actually have immunity from being sued. And that is not something new that happened with the COVID vaccine. That has been the case with the childhood schedule now since 1986. Hmm. So you wonder why so many parents out there, obviously they... You know, and I remember even before COVID vaccine came mm-hmm. out, I remember literally two or three years before COVID came out in general, there was this big push against any parents that uh, were like anti-vaxxers. Or, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. that would be the title they would put on parents. You were anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. And, and literally it was the same way that they talk about white supremacy It's the same way they talk about, uh, I don't know, va- I don't know, you name it. I mean, mm-hmm. just uh, conspiracy theorist, all these key words the media wants to put on someone to, to, to make them lesser than or to make them look, you know, like a like a piece of shit person, whatever the case was. But this started happening about two years before because we had in fact, we, we actually had a vaccine episode. I think it was a year or two before COVID came out. Mm-hmm. And the reason we had that vaccine episode was because we started seeing this big rise in media just going against parents that started to question some of these vaccines. And um, yeah. there's some good reasons to question that. And it's so sad because as a parent, you can't just opt out for not giving your children vaccines. They cannot go to school unless they have vaccines. Mm-hmm. You are forced by their hand. If you want your kids in public school, you have to vaccinate them. Yeah. I mean, they make sure so, and the nurse makes sure that they're, it's on record. And if it's not, they kick your kids out of school. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some caveats to that. So in terms of there being every child has to be vaccinated for school, there are some parents that do exemptions. There's a number of reasons like religious exemptions. Mm-hmm. And also there's medical exemptions. You know, if your child is immunocompromised, you know, various different diseases, autoimmune diseases that they may have. Most states allow a medical exemption for that. But this even started before a couple of years ago, Chad. Um, my daughter is seven. And I remember this, you know, being something that was coming up when she was an infant. 
And there were actually like some groups on Facebook that were about vaccine education and, and really just giving information, citing peer reviewed studies and whatnot. Facebook, of course, took all of those groups down. Um, yeah. And if you, you know, even attempt to ask a pediatrician any questions about vaccines, basically the answer you're going to get in return is take them. Yeah. I mean, there's really no room for question on that. And I'm sure you'll be shocked to know that California was one of the states that now actually prohibits even medical exemptions from vaccines. Yeah, so nuts. they require children to get them even if it could harm their health, which is nuts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's batshit crazy. I, I will say this. And, you know, speaking of the vaccines, we're going to we're going to get off the vaccines in a minute. But I do want to play a very important clip uh, Sam, have you ever heard of the, of, of the show, the doctors that's on TV? It's like the, the younger doctor guy and there's another doctor mm-hmm. guy. It's like main, it's usually like NBC, maybe it comes on 11 and you know, these doctor guys, they, one, one of them's probably, I don't know, late thirties. Typically he brings in other doctors and then they have some debates, but Jenny McCarthy actually went on the doctor show and Jenny McCarthy's married to what, um, the wall, one of the Wahlbergs and she came on there with an attorney or a doctor and then. Um, the, there was actually a guy in the audience that schooled these two doctors that were actually on stage. And this specifically was about vaccines. But this just shows you, just to give you guys an example, if you go to a doctor right now, either with your kid or yourself, and you and you have questions about a vaccine, you have you have serious concerns, whether it be for your child or whether it be for you, um, this may be the response you get. Because even when you have an expert, like they did have an expert, by the way, about vaccines and childhood vaccines and all this, in the audience, um, I just want you to hear this clip real quick. Here you go. And, and you know I've got an open mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, back in, in 1983, back in, in the 90s, you know, we did have chil- children dying every week of meningitis. And, and uh, you know, I remember doing rounds with my dad. And almost almost every day he'd need to go to the hospital and, and take care of a child that this had is one of the some doctors sort of vaccine-dependable illness. And, you know, with the increase of vaccines, we've seen a huge decline in some of the really nasty things that I don't that I'm so glad I don't have to deal with. You know, epiglottitis, meningitis, you know, a lot of pneumonias, you know, kids just aren't dying of that sort of stuff anymore. And 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 as a pediatrician, that's the last thing I want to see is for people to stop vaccinating because we'll we'll start seeing kids die of polio. Okay, let me tell you this. This is Jenny McCarthy that many vaccines that we need. The chicken pox, I think, can be a parent's choice. The rotavirus, the flu shot that still contains mercury. JB, hepatitis B, go ahead. Wait, know, sure. The, the this devil is, the is always in the details. And one of the problems with vaccines is they've been so great that people overly generalize about them as if they're only great. We looked at other first world countries. We're 34th in under five mortality behind such luminaries as Cuba and Slovenia. However, we have 36 vaccines. The top five, which include countries like Finland, Norway, Iceland, average 11 and 13 vaccines. From 1994, we added eight vaccines to our schedule. There are vaccines like flu, rotavirus, varicella that have only been picked up by two or three of the other 30 countries. So what do they know that we don't? Why aren't they picking up vaccines that have been around for 15 years? And why are their autism rates one in 1,000, one in 1,500, one in 2,000. It doesn't take a brain surgeon or an ER doctor to figure out there might be a correlation. We don't want to narrow, be too narrow-minded and say it's it's only the vaccines and, 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 Here's and, not, the doctor's response. and, and ignore 
other potential problems. In my opinion, and this is Here's just the me host, wanting doctor. to have an open debate about this, vaccines are really the one thing we have looked at yeah, as I, causing all yeah, I agree is, with that you. That is completely yeah. bogus. No, that is such a bogus they, statement. How many vaccines have they looked at in these studies? How many? What's the answer? It's two. How many ingredients have they studied of 35? What's the answer? It's one. You've looked at two of 36 shots and one of 35 vaccines, and you're going to stand on the stage and say that vaccines and autism are unrelated? It is the most bogus tobacco science. It's a smokescreen. Anybody who takes the time to read it would agree. I'm so sick of doctors who don't read the studies. The doctors about don't to get know mad the details, now. Sitting here telling parents and reassuring them that vaccines don't cause autism. It is irresponsible. And this is the biggest problem and the reason that, that doctors in this country are frustrated. Read the because, science. Because, listen, all you're doing is you're antagonizing a medical community that wants to help these kids. You haven't okay? done the research. You're antagonizing me. You're antagonizing Dr. Sears. Right. Why would you do that? Yeah, this show is all about his my son. Okay, you know, and it, okay, everyone wants to blame someone, right? Yes, this is what it's, what we're trying to figure out here is how to help kids. But all you do when you yell at me on my stage, all you do is anger me. I'm sorry and I make the feelings, me but you didn't feel, know the details. I asked you to defend your stance, and all you did was attack me as an individual. Why would I want to listen to you when you do that to me? Because Instead, I want to listen to Dr. Jerry here, who will rationally walk through why they're removing certain things from foods that could be causing problems. So what he's saying, by the way, is uh, he's pissed off because the guy knows a lot more about vaccines uh-huh. than they do. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, and he's right. They, they've only studied two vaccines to even try to correlate it with autism, for example. But yet they're, the doctors are going to try their very best to convince parents that it has nothing to do with autism. And there's a reason why they only study two vaccines and only one ingredient. Um, and that's simply because it's the exact same way they did the COVID vaccine. It's the exact same way that they rushed through trials and did all this stuff and didn't really. Um, I mean, even when we're giving and they're saying, hey, it's safe and effective for kids, it's safe and effective for kids. Although we knew COVID vaccine, um, you know. Or sorry, we knew mm-hmm. COVID didn't even really affect kids unless they had, you know, many comorbidities, all this stuff. But this is what you may face when you go to a doctor and you start asking the question of, hey, I took the COVID vaccine. I'm concerned about my health. And you might get a smart ass response in a lot of ways because doctors think they know everything, although they don't. Um, do you have anything else can to I- say about it, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to I mean, we can roll probably from this into the next whatever you want to talk about. But um I think it's important to keep in mind that a lot of these doctors, you know, I don't want to demonize them. I don't think they have nefarious intentions. I do think there are a lot of pediatricians in particular who really are trying to do what's best for children. The issue is that we don't see a lot of doctors anymore that have private practices. Most of them are operating Mm -hmm. within these huge conglomerates, and a lot of them are not even making much money. So they're Mm -hmm. coming out of school. They're in tons of debt, and they're just trying to get through patients during the day. And I say that to say... They don't have a lot of extra time on their hands to sit down and research stuff like this. Right. And when they're in med school, you know, they're not when they're being educated on vaccines, they are most certainly not being educated on all of the side effects of vaccines. And if you actually look into it. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Pharmaceutical companies are one of the biggest donors to medical schools. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's, it's the thing with everything else in our country. It's like, follow the money, follow the power, and you're going to find the corruption. Everything mm-hmm. is tied together, and we're all brainwashed and programmed and indoctrinated to some degree, and we can't leave medical professionals out of that. You know, they, yeah. most of the time, are getting into the field for the right reasons, but if they're not getting the proper information and they don't have time to get it and they're only going off of, you know, the WHO or the CDC guidelines, they're not going to get the full picture. And I, I mean, we can't necessarily blame them for that. But at the same time, I'm so thankful for doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough, who is willing to actually take the time and look into things, you know, more in depth and then mm-hmm. speak out about it, because that's so important right now. Yeah. One of the things you kind of remind me of that because it's, it's one of those, you know, it's like I'm sure there's a lot of politicians that actually wanted to get into politics to do good for people until they realize mm-hmm. what that involves, right? It, it involves oh. bureaucracy. And uh, quite honestly, a lot of the same companies that control politics or and politicians are the exact same companies that control doctors. Absolutely. 100%. And, yeah, and that's what Sam was saying. You know, it used to be you had a private pa- practice and you could pretty much prescribe what you wanted to. You would have these pharmaceutical companies coming and telling you about their medicines mm-hmm. and giving you samples and say, hey, this is working for these kids, blah, 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 blah. They, but they were coming in trying to persuade the doctors to use these these medicines. Yeah. But now that they're conglomerates or whatever, conglomerates. sorry, they are forced to use certain, uh, they have a protocol they have to go Absolutely. with. Yeah. They have to yeah, say this, they have to say that, and they have to stick with the protocol. Mm-hmm. And that that's not even necessarily unique just to doctors and practitioners, because I actually have a good friend who is a pharmacist. And back when all of the stuff went down with mm-hmm. ivermectin, which, you know, I don't think it needs to be repeated ad, na- ad nauseum, but ivermectin is one of the most used medications in the world. It's never been proven to be unsafe. It's given out for a lot of different things and it can be used off label. And when there was testing that was being done to use it with COVID-19, you know, whether or not you want to say it was effective, there was definitely no studies that were proving that it was unsafe. Nonetheless, she works for a large, I'll just say it, she works for CVS and CVS pharmacy was prohibiting her, a pharmacist who Mm -hmm. should have the ability since she has went to school and gotten the education and is supposed to be an expert in this matter, yep. they were prohibiting her from filling prescriptions from doctors for ivermectin. So we're not talking about that. going to tractor supply and getting horse meds. Right. <laughs> we're talking about a doctor who's prescribing this and now their hands are tied because a large pharmacy is unwilling to even allow a pharmacist to fill the prescription. Yeah, I actually got prescribed during that whole thing. I mean, you know, I stocked up on a couple of things, ivermectin being one of them, but I had to go to an online doctor. Uh, he, you know, in I talked Florida. to him. No, Flo- no, the doctor was somewhere else. But oh, the, sorry, I thought it was the pharmacy was in Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I literally, I mean, you, you could only find so many little pharmacies that would do it. And they had to make it themselves because you can make ivermectin. I can't remember what those pharmacies are called, but. Um, compound. compound yeah, compound pharmacies. pharmacies yeah. And so, yeah, then yeah, I got it like two weeks later or whatever, but and it was also very expensive. It was not cheap. It was not something insurance was going to cover. I tried CVS. I tried Walgreens. I think I tried quite a few different pharmacies. None of them would fill it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this doctor was like, look, there's only like a few pharmacies that will fill this stuff. And so I had to get it from Florida and get it shipped up here. 
just to possibly protect my life in case and in the event that COVID was as bad as you know people said it was. But there, there's obviously a reason, and and there's no question that doctors and and pharmaceutical companies and all these people didn't know how safe ivermectin was. Um, it, that's that wasn't the problem. The problem was it was going to take away money from the vaccine. And maybe not even just the money. It was going to take away the agenda of why they wanted the vaccine out to begin with, which we don't know. Uh, but there's a lot of people that speculate. We'll just leave yeah. it at that. I didn't even answer your previous question. I just realized oh, about why do I think the mainstream media is you know, covering and not covering whatever. The obvious answer to that is that the pharmaceutical companies are one of they're actually the largest um, ad dollars that come into these mainstream media networks. So, of course, you know, whatever the pharmaceutical companies want them to say or not say, they're going to do that. They're going to self-censor based on not wanting to lose those dollars. And I was actually just talking to a friend of mine last night um, who is a medical professional. And, you know, I was saying how it's interesting that these pharmaceutical companies are advertising direct to consumer, even though you can't actually go out and purchase a medication, you still have to go through your doctor. So clearly that's just for the purpose of influence. It's not to actually attempt to sell your medications to people. But she was telling me that she gets so frustrated with people coming in and asking her for particular medications. And she has to explain to them that despite what this is being advertised as, this is actually not effective for what you have. Yeah. And these people are pushing back on her because they're so brainwashed from all of the pharma commercials. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she is a, um, a medical professional who is extremely ethical and is doing it for the right reasons. But there are a lot of them that either don't have the time or just don't have the bandwidth to even deal with it. And they just are kind of like, okay, have it, you know. Oh, it's crazy. The propaganda from from uh, big pharma. Uh, I mean, and and honestly, the United States is one of the only countries that really allow for big pharma to advertise direct to consumer. Oh, my God. um, Have you guys know how many of the same commercial I watch? Like when I'm watching TV on a regular Spike basis, backs. yes, yeah, that and then, yes, if it's COVID, get Paxlovid, yeah, and, <laughs> and, then, and then, then the Spike Vax my body, oh yeah. my god, and then John, like, the Jodis, one, whatever the one your mom's on, oh Jardian, yes, yeah. the girl with the the yellow and blue, mm-hmm. yeah, there's <laughs> yeah, there's actually there. there's only two countries that allow it. I believe it's New Zealand is the other one, and and they are very limited. There's a lot of regulation. It's nothing like it is here. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, so let's get on to disease X where, what everybody's probably coming here for, but you know, we had to preface with a little bit of the COVID and we might dip back in here and there with the COVID thing, because there's a reason why we have to talk about COVID. There's a reason why we have to talk about the vaccine. We're also going to get to the world economic forum and some, um, some, some, uh, topics on that, but, uh, let's just get into an article. A new vaccine lab for disease X is unveiled in the UK. So A new facility has been constructed in the UK that will conduct vaccine research for an unknown pathogen dubbed by the World Economic Forum uh, as Disease X, right? So the new facility is located at a secretive Porton Down Science and Technology campus in Wiltshire, England, which is best known for chemical and biological warfare research. This is primarily what this facility deals with. Experts at the facility are preparing for what the emergence of a new disease X virus, the BBC reported in August. COVID, of course, is not a one-off, said Professor Dame Jenny Harries, 
the chief executive of the UK Health Security Agency, which runs these laboratories. Now, I want to play this quick clip of this BBC report. Here the you British go. government has unveiled a new vaccine research facility where scientists are working to prevent future pandemics. It's located at Porton Down, a high security research facility best known for its work on chemical warfare. Experts are preparing for what is known as Disease X or the next pandemic virus. Our health correspondent Dominic Hughes was given rare access to the facility. The delicate task of protecting the nation's health. This is one of the laboratories at Porton Down where scientists are analysing current threats, new variants of COVID, for example, and trying to identify new ones. Inside these purpose-built labs, more than 200 scientists working for the UK Health Security Agency are helping to develop and test vaccines against a range of diseases. It's vital work to keep us all safe. We've got in many respects the toughest um, job in the world, which is to protect health against infectious diseases and environmental hazards. And it is tough because we know that the, the risks of new and emerging infections, including those of pandemic potential, is increasing. For decades, scientists at Porton Down have been involved in medical research, as well as the work on chemical and biological warfare for which the centre is perhaps better known. During the pandemic, laboratories like this one played an absolutely vital role in assessing how effective the vaccines were in combating the coronavirus, and that work continues today. But as well as monitoring how effective existing vaccines are against new COVID variants, the new Vaccine Development and Evaluation Centre is looking at emerging threats for which no vaccine yet exists. All right, so I wanted to play that, OK? So... This is a chemical and biological warfare facility. Let's make no mistake <laughs> about that, number one. Uh, number two, Wuhan Institute of Virology essentially was a, uh, a biochemical warfare lab as well. It is a Chinese Communist Party-ran lab. Um, this particular lab, you may ask yourself, well, how would they, how would they be researching um, for a disease X pandemic for a potential vaccine? for some virus that's much more deadly than what we already seen. Well, the only way you do that, by the way, I think we, I think we kind of know this. If you ask old Dr. Fauci, which I wish we could call, you know, bring him online right now. Uh, Dr. Fauci, how do you uh, research new deadlier viruses? Oh, well, you have to create the virus in the lab. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you and actually is not getting a function. Yeah, it's, it's a different, different mission. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, literally when Rand Paul like ran this dude through the reamer, um, mm -hmm. they, they literally went on the NIH's website and changed the definition of gang of function after that interview between or after that, I guess, grilling of Rand Paul. But this is what we're facing. We, we now have labs, bio, biochemical warfare labs in the UK, along with China, which we're going to get to in a minute. The only way they can research this is by creating deadlier viruses that then they can say, OK, well, if we create something way more deadly, well, then here, let's let's figure out a vaccine for this. But why would you do that if it doesn't already exist? That's the question. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> Um, well, that is an excellent question. And I mean, I think it depends on who you ask what answer you're going to get to that question. Obviously, from Dr. Fauci and those like him, you're going to get the response that, you know, we're trying to be prepared because we you know, know that this is eventually going to happen. And this is the same thing as like 
you know, a few years before COVID, I don't know if you guys ever watched the TED Talk that Bill Gates did, where he let us know that there indeed was going to be a pandemic that's worse Mm -hmm. than we've ever seen before. He was also quoted in Time Magazine around that same time. I was already interested in reading and researching about stuff like this. And I'm like, okay, well, that means it's already where we know it's coming for sure. And not because of statistics, because he knows it's coming. It also fascinates me that the media interviews him, especially during COVID, um, as if he's a medical professional. It's that's always blown my mind. Um, But aside from that, I think this is another thing that um, like you guys were discussing on the leave the world behind podcast of Mm pre-programming, because, you know, let's play devil's advocate and let's say that this is not nefarious and they are truly, you know, trying to develop vaccines and, you know, these pandemics and these diseases are going to come across organically. You know, even if you look at it in that light, I stand by the fact that our government most definitely exploited um, the situation at hand. And Mm -hmm. I think that was just sort of like round one. Mm -hmm. Um, to see how much people were willing to tolerate. And unfortunately, most people were willing to tolerate a lot. Um, We saw very clearly that, you know, whether whatever you think about COVID, we saw that a large part of our population was just unwilling to be critical thinkers, even if they did not agree with the information that was coming from doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough or whomever Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. There was no willingness to even look into it. Um, There is just this mindset that whatever we're told on the quote unquote news that's what we go with. And so I think now that yeah. we're getting this new information about this lab and da-da-da, it's just a preface, you know, so that whenever this does happen, we have it in our mind of like, oh, no, you know, this is going to be bad. This is going to be the big one. And then we're, you know, not we because I won't, but a lot of people <laughs> are just going to follow suit with whatever we're told to do. Yeah, it's it's really scary, honestly. I mean, and, and the reason I say this is scary is because – we have a system in place. I think people should be aware enough, I guess, of what happened with the event 201, what they warned about, before, you know, just prior. I mean, months prior to COVID-19, they were doing something extremely similar, sorry, similar to how they're about to pre-plan for disease X. And disease X, you know, like people like Dr. Peter Hotez, he's been warning of disease X in recent months as public concern over covid Um, And he says, we have a likelihood that the new pandemic threats that people call disease X are going to be arising on a regular basis. COVID-19 is just the warm up act. The next pandemic may not be as severe, but it could be much more severe at the same time, Hotez claimed in November. Um, And so Dr. Peter Hotez is one of those guys that went on the Joe Rogan podcast and Joe Rogan grilled him. and, and, And Peter Hotez was you know, he was a talking head for the mainstream media. He was he was the guy that was going mm-hmm. out there. One of the guys, but uh, one of the guys that was going to understand vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. All, no, you got to vaccinate yourself. Vitamins don't work. Eating right doesn't work. Don't even worry about exercising. Don't worry about doing any of this stuff. All you have to do is get vaccinated and you're fine. Um, and so as Joe Rogan called him out on this with Dr. Peter Hotez, and Joe Rogan even started questioning some of his habits as far as eating and all of this stuff. And, and why are you not, you know, why are you not telling people, hey, if you eat right, take vitamins, do all these things. Why are you not telling people this? And it was because that was not the narrative. That was not the agenda. That's not what they wanted. Um, now, people can, I'm sure there's a lot of people still out there today that says. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, this was just one, you know, one big massive lab leak. You know, it sucks that it happened. And, and, and screw those Chinese <laughs> for doing this. But we have to remember that there is a reason why we still will not investigate the origins of COVID-19. There's a reason. I mean, the government wants no part of this. Now, there are some Republicans uh, in, in the Senate and in Congress that, that do want to push this. I don't know what the divide there is exactly. I mean, you can get political or you can not. It doesn't really matter. I think it's more about a world glo- uh, a governance system. And by the way, I'm not just saying all Republicans are, are asking for, for transparency as far as the COVID-19 uh, pandemic inquiry, because there's a lot of Republicans out there as well. They're also not wanting to investigate uh, where this came from. But isn't it strange, though? We have wars breaking out everywhere, but it almost seems like, you know, especially with the New World Order and the World Economic Forum, that although there are tensions around the world, there are wars around the world. There, you know, the United States hates Russia, supposedly, and Russia hates the United States and China and vice versa. But it also almost seems like there is a, a hierarchy of, of an organization that are working together um, unanimously for mm-hmm. the detriment of the people. At the same time, we're also so divided country-wise, but there's two very different factions. But when COVID first came out, Trump was in office, and he was like, it's the China, China virus. It's the China virus. He blamed everything on China. Mm -hmm. But as the months and the years went by, we all know it's not just a China virus. Yeah. This this was made by America as well. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Barrick in North Carolina— um, you know, I, yep. I think he actually had the original uh, coronavirus sent over, I, I believe, the initial gang of function that he then sent to Wuhan lab, which we now know that uh, Anthony Fauci would also send over to the Wuhan lab. All of this stuff was sent from seemed, America. <laughs> yeah, sent from America and seemed very coordinated. Also Canada. Yeah, and Canada as well. And then even after this, I mean, as of two years ago, we, we heard about, I think it was, was it Boston University? Uh, and then there was a research lab in Canada that was also researching a deadlier strain of coronavirus and COVID-19. In my opinion, I don't know this for fact or any of this stuff, but if, if you just take all of this into play, it sounds like that they have a reason why they want to use or, or, or at least develop these deadlier viruses. Um, and, and look, there's a the big conspiracy out there about population control. The New World Order even talks about the world's too populated. Um, we need the population down to a minimum level because well, Bill Gates says that all the time. Oh, he all the time says it. I mean, would they use a virus for population control? That's the question. Um, Sam, what do you what do you think, though, about, you know, do you think there are two different, I guess, storylines at play here as far as uh, the New World Order? But also you look at just countries in general um, that seem to be warring with each other, hating each other. There, there's so much divide there. But is that potentially a divide because of the actual powers that be, which have the much bigger game plan? You know, they, they have they see the bigger picture of how they're going to take over the world. Um, 
it benefits them to make the world completely war and rage with each other, but also at the same time cooperate on a much higher level in some ways to destroy their own people. So I sort of look at this, I'm just going to go broad spectrum here. So I think that the higher up you get in the food chain in terms of heading toward the top of, you know, the powers that be, whomever they are, you start to have a blur in there being any type of division. And there tends to be more um, of a correlation of them working together. And the farther down the food chain you get to the average citizens like us is where you see a lot of division. And I mean, that's, that's down to the very Mm -hmm. smallest groups, even in the United States of, I mean, we're fighting about absolutely everything. And then you take it more to a global level of, you know, countries having issues with other countries, et cetera. But as you move up to the top, it's it's same within our political party, right? You know, mm-hmm. the higher you move up in our political parties, the less you even really have Democrats and Republicans. Because right. to your point, not all of the Republicans are interested in getting answers about the lab leak the same way the yeah. Democrats are not interested in it, right? So the more that um, the lower levels of people that we can keep all of us fighting amongst one another, that's the goal, in yes. my opinion. Because yes. if we're distracted and fighting mm-hmm. and, and we think... I mean, it's it's fascinating to me that China is supposedly such a threat to us that, you know, they want to overtake us and they want to become the number one superpower of the world. And yet we are collaborating with them in a lab. They're conducting gain of function research on what may have been a virus that we're genuinely genuinely concerned about, or it could have been a bioweapon. Like, you know, who knows? And the thing is, like, you never will know if you're getting one side or the other side or the truth. Yeah. I mean, it's almost impossible now to um, be able to parse out what actually is real information. And not only that, you know, we're allowing China to to buy up all of our land in America. If they're such a threat to us, why would we let them buy any of our land here? Yeah. Like, I don't get that at all. I, I, I still. Well, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's just like Sam said, though, it's as you get to the top, it's more smeared, it's more foggy. It yeah. all comes together. They want to divide us at the bottom of the food chain, yeah. it, as she was saying. Via people. Right? right. I mean, people's the best way you divide, um, you know, divide the people don't necessarily you don't necessarily have to divide the 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 governments, even though they want you to appear that all the governments are divided. Now, I know that's a weird concept. Um, but if you really think about it, I mean, China's heavily involved in the World Health Organization. The United States, especially the Democrat administrations, are heavily involved in the World Health Organizations as well. Uh, that was something that Trump actually wanted to get the hell out of. I think we did. I think we quit funding uh-huh. the World Health Organization uh-huh. um, for various reasons, because now the World, uh, the World Health Organization, as you've seen what they did during COVID, they were like our, our government during COVID-19, and they should have no say-so on what the United States government does with their people and what they mandate as far as vaccines, especially, as Peter McCullough mentioned in the video earlier, when you have a vaccine of mRNA messenger technology, and what all that means is it, it is, a, is a particle that is put inside of you that will transport whatever it is that it wants, that is supposed to transport throughout your body or wherever, wherever it needs to go, um, although when the vaccine first came out, they said, oh, this, this stays in your arm. It, it never arm. leaves. That spike stays in your arm. Yeah, yeah. Never leaves your arm. Which but is- now we're seeing it's not true. It goes to your heart. It goes to your brain. It stays for months. They have not researched it more than six months, but we know it stays more than that. Yeah. And what, what Mercola was saying, why would you create a messenger RNA virus to send a spike protein that was created in China virus 
or you know, China uh, bioweapons lab and, and, and minister to millions of American people. I mean, yes, they did it in many other countries as well, although there were many countries that opted out and said, no, we're, we don't want anything to do with the mRNA technology. Um, there were certain countries that only wanted Johnson & Johnson, that one-shot thing, which is, you know, kind of like a, a I think some of it was a nasal spray they also had at one time. And there was a one-shot injection as well, but didn't yeah. have the mRNA technology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Peter McCullough, but then, go ahead, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, but then the Johnson & Johnson got pulled because people were having strokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, e- either way, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of, you were screwed in that way. Um, with that vaccine and basically every way you looked at it. Peter McCullough commented on disease X. It says, he says disease X is a concept to create a pathogen, virus, bacteria, et cetera, in order to generate highly profitable government purchases, uh, AKA vaccines, which are administered to the whole world over and over again. The business plan of the CEPI vaccines formed by the WEF and Gates foundation. Um, and so, this is actually from the Global Center for Health Security. What is disease X? How scientists are preparing for the next pandemic. And Washington Post says it sounds like something Elon Musk might have cooked up, disease X. In fact, the term was coined years ago as a way of getting scientists to work on medical countermeasures for unknown infectious threats. Novel coronavirus is like the one that causes COVID-19, for example, instead of just known ones like the Ebola virus. The idea was to encourage the development of platform technologies, including vaccines, drug therapies, and diagnostic tests that could be rapidly adapted and deployed in response to an array of future outbreaks with the epidemic or pandemic potential. So that's basically what they're saying. And keeping in mind, guys, we just said the World Economic Forum is uh, they're going to convene on January 15th. So that's in two days from now. And their plan is to simulate in some ways what disease X will look like. Now, do they know what disease X already is? That's the big question, right? Well, we have a Dr. John Campbell. Now, Dr. John Campbell rose to stardom on YouTube, and he's an older doctor from the UK, somewhere over in UK, and and I used to watch his stuff. Um, And he was just always very transparent. He did not seem necessarily like he was on one side or the other. So I think a lot of people, I think that's why a lot of people was drawn to him. Um, He would look at studies and every single study he could possibly find that was coming out. He would he would break those studies down. The reason why I believe he was able to survive on YouTube is because he wasn't anti-vaccine or pro-vaccine necessarily. Um, But as things started coming out, as markers started coming out about the vaccines, he was very transparent about it. So he is a very, very well-respected doctor on YouTube. A lot of people trust him, and a lot of people did trust his opinion about this. Well, Dr. John Campbell just recently uh, recently released a video um, like three or four days ago, and it's only a minute clip, but I want you to hear what John Campbell— Oh, sorry, sorry. 100%. Sorry, I did not mean uh, that was supposed to be on mute. Uh, But he just released a video two or three days ago where he talks about a— a virus that is in, I believe, the Wuhan Institute of Virology right now um, that there is some information about. Check out what he has to say. Do we know what actually disease X already is? Here you go. Now, last week, there was published some really concerning research from China. What the researchers did was they got a virus from a pangolin. That's these charming little creatures that are so abused throughout uh, Eastern Asia, particularly. They took a virus from the pangolin and they cultured it in cells in the laboratory. And they then infected mice with it. And it killed all of the mice that it infected through brain infection. So they've generated this new virus 
that kills 100% of mice it's infected with. But it gets worse because the mice that were infected were humanised mice. Now, these are called transgenic mice. In other words, they were given some human genes and they were given human ACE receptor genes that were expressed by the mouse. So these are essentially human ACE receptors in genes. And it was a coronavirus from the pangolin and it killed 100% of the mice that were infected. And these are the things that they are jiggling around with in laboratories. This is absolute madness. So there you go. Um, and this is just what China is literally just coming out and saying, hey, by the way, guys, we have mice that we have humanoided. I guess you can say that word where they take these ACE receptors, which humans have ACE receptors. We have those in our lungs. lungs yeah. We have those in mm-hmm. many places, by the way. I think we have them in our throat. Um, I think we have them in various uh, parts of our body. And uh, for those that don't know, uh, the Chinese Institute of Virology, the Wuhan lab, during their study of the coronavirus, this is what they did for the gain of function on COVID-19. This is how they were able to see how deadly it could be in human lungs. They would do the exact same thing with mice. They would they would make what is called human type of mice or humanoid mice, and they would put ACE receptors in them uh, as, as humans. And essentially what that does is they can study how the human ACE, the human ACE receptors would react to this virus. The problem and the scary part with this virus is, is that um, this particular strain of whatever they have now developed kills 100% of humanoid mice. We're talking about a mortality of 100%. Now, would it affect people on the exact same level as it would those mice? Well, we would have to look back at Mm COVID-19 to kind of determine that. Now, typically, COVID-19 mice, the ones they would study uh, with COVID-19, uh, would be very similar to mortality rates, maybe a little higher. Um, but what it would show, especially as far as mice goes, is it would show this um, this acute respiratory distress syndrome in mice. It would show all of the very similar things that we had many reports on, especially in the early onset of COVID-19. And so what they're trying to do is they're just trying to create something a lot more deadly. And the fact that they're even releasing papers about this it's like they want you to know, hey, guess what, guys? We have something even more deadly that maybe will kill more and more people. And listen, if, if we're going to look at like a, a superiority thing, we, we can talk about nuclear warheads. We can talk about this stuff. And they know, by the way, that nuclear warheads will kill everyone. If, if China launches a nuke at, at the U.S., U.S. is launching a nuke at them, vice versa. Um, a nuclear war, it, there's no winners typically unless you're underground for a certain amount of time. But if you have a virus in a lab that you already have the vaccine for and your people that you can give it to Mm -hmm. your people, administer Mm -hmm. to your people or whatever, you could. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Foreseeably kill off the entire rest of the planet and your people would be the only ones surviving. Well, I think, too, the way to do that is to make sure the host is the right type of host for these viruses or diseases. Mm -hmm. This host can't die right away. This this host can't have symptoms right away. Right. You have to put this into a host where they have no idea that they're even sick. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they're they're producing it to all these other people and infecting all these other people. And it stays long enough that it doesn't kill them too fast. Yeah, that's the perfect host for these type of diseases and when you have that it spreads rapidly and then you know after you know 14 days of no symptoms all of a sudden people are dropping dead yeah and then you have a population people that already have a vaccine government already has a vaccine and then they just say well we're not giving you a vaccine um but this is this is very deadly stuff we're playing with and it could be could be the next uh nuke but but worse i mean if you really think about it, diseases could kill off more people than than a nuclear warhead could in some cases. Well, diseases really killed off a lot of more people than war has right now. Yeah. If you really think about COVID and the vaccines and how many people have died from that, I think it's way more than a lot of wars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure. I mean, it, and, and keeping in mind the, the World Economic Forum, their meeting has taken place, like I said, in two days. There's going to be 2,500 delegates, 1,000 private jets motorcades i mean it's right now there there are reporters on the ground in davos there's a jamboree uh of people that are coming up the mountain going to davos and these are in you know the most expensive cars you can possibly see at the local airport you have the biggest most fancy private jets and these are all the people that are going there to figure out how they're going to ruin your life in the name of climate change um (laughs) while they also fly their very big and expensive private jets and all their very uh nice vehicles (laughs) you know it's just one of those things um where do you see sam 2024 going i'm sure you probably listen to our podcast about the shit show thing but um have you do you have any thoughts about 2024 and where where we're kind of headed oh boy um i think that 2024 is going to be wild. I think that just our election process in general um, is, I think we're going to see something like we've never seen before, especially with having an independent like RFK Jr. who's now jumped in and I think actually has a good chance to be part of it. Um, And, you know, of course, we've got states that are wanting to take Trump off the ballot and, you know, Biden is being pushed in some states, North Carolina included, as just being the nominee and no need to have a primary or anything. Yeah. And so, we've already got all of this like crazy unrest and everything here in the United States, much less what's going on around the rest of the world. But, you know, first of all, great distraction to us with everything happening here. Um, But secondly, we do also need to be aware of, you know, the other world events. And I mean, aside from diseases and vaccines and, you know, climate change and everything else, like we are on the verge of World War Three right now. Yeah. And we don't seem to have much of an interest in stopping it. I mean, with Ukraine, you know, in the beginning, there were negotiations that actually could have settled things. And we basically discouraged Ukraine from accepting that and told them, nope, you should go to war instead. And then we funded them for a while until now. We're kind of like, well, sorry, we're not going to send you much more money. So best of luck with that. Um, Of course, we've got what's going on right now in Israel. And now we're starting to really get involved in that which a lot of the population here in the United States is not for that, you know, whatever the opinion is. Mm -hmm. 
And also we have the possibility of, you know, like China invading Taiwan, which their quote unquote weather window will be coming up soon on that. And I think if there were any time um, in terms of United States history for them to pick a good time to do that, it would be right now with our administration, which is incredibly weak. I mean, we're letting through everyone into our own country. You know, why would any other leader possibly think that we're going to try to, um, you know, insert any type of authority for another another country? You know, if we can't even do it for our own. Yeah. Did you hear about the reporter from uh, Ukraine that died? He was actually an American citizen, but he was in custody. He was he was in a prison in Ukraine because. Uh, I guess the reports Tucker Carlson actually was the, was one of the ones that reported this. But, you know, he was just, uh, you know, reporting against the narrative or or had a, a adverse viewpoint on Ukraine and the whole situation with the Russia-Ukraine war. Um, Tucker Carlson brought his father on not long ago. His father was demanding for his release and asking and begging for Biden or the United States help because he was an American citizen that was in a Ukrainian prison. He was then somehow got out or released for a short period of time. And he knew that if he did not leave the country that because he was he had already claimed that he had been tortured in, in um, you know, in in prison in Ukraine, that they might kill him. So he was going to leave the country. He got picked up two miles from the border to get out of Ukraine and uh, he that was, I guess, two or three months ago. Now it has come out that he is dead. Um, I did not hear about that, but that is not very surprising. Yeah, he is dead. Um, you know, and and I think, you know, we've had, you know, we had J.D. on the podcast. He's over there actually fighting for Ukraine. He's he was a he was with a group that set up a um, an organization where they went over and trained uh, civilians when the war first started because a lot of those guys were ex-special forces guys and so they developed a group to went over and trained civilians to be able to fight for ukraine now jd is actually in i think special forces ukraine military yeah the front yeah he's on the front lines now mm-hmm. we talked to him not long ago and so and the reason why we met jd was because some of our criticism of why the war happened and all this stuff but it's just like now we're starting to see more and more that it's look, everything is not what it seems. Right. Ukraine is not perfect. We've actually talked to people that lived in Ukraine and they said that place is one of the most corrupt freaking countries you can ever live. And if you think about it, you know, I think part of Russia's problem with Ukraine is they had all of these um, medical places where they're testing viruses or whatever on the border of Russia. Bio weapons yeah, bio labs or whatever. Weapon yeah. labs or whatever. You know, if I could only imagine if Cuba or somewhere close to us were doing these tests right on the border of, of America, I would not yeah. be happy either. Yeah, and I don't think Russia's, you know, I don't think they're perfect. I'm just no, saying No, I'm that, not saying that either. No, no, I'm yeah. just saying, you know, we're talking about disease X right now. We're talking about all these medical labs all over the world and yeah. these dangerous viruses and diseases all over the world that they're messing with, you know. I feel like that was one of the reasons why this whole Russia-Ukraine war started. Yeah, and our undersecretary, Newland, actually admitted that we had labs over there. She didn't admit that it was uh, bioweapons labs, but, you know, if you're Russia, what do you think those labs are? I mean, come on. There was like mm-hmm. 13 of them. And not only that, there was a reason why we we're trying to get Ukraine into NATO, which we're still, I think, wanting to do. But it's just to piss off Russia and continue to piss them off. In Russia also, we also don't know whether or not we have nuclear warheads potentially in Ukraine. We don't know because obviously we've been sending money. There's been deals back and forth with the administration now. And, 
and Hunter Biden and and the Burisma and uh, and just all of these different companies. There was a lot of weird stuff going on in Ukraine with Joe Biden as president right before the the Russia Ukraine war happened. And I think that's just extremely extremely strange. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I was just going to point out the obvious, basically, that you know we intervene initially in those negotiations and basically, you know, push Ukraine into going to war. And I mean, we've just been fighting a war, you know, with Russia by proxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So there's always, you know, something bigger happening than what we will ever be told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'd ask you just a minute ago about what your thoughts are on 2024. And I got to say, right before we came on this podcast, I was on email and I was looking at my email. One of my marketing clients actually sent me an email and it related to marketing or just Google's terms of service and policies. They have now updated their terms of service. Um, I don't know when, but he literally just sent me this email today and he said, hey, check this out. I don't know what this means for us, but, you know, it says, hey. Uh, here's our new policies and they, they are very strict about a lot of different things. Um, this is leading into 2024 and anytime Google makes massive changes in policy, as far as what they deem misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, I think it even mentions, there's all these things it mentions, but two days ago I saved this video cause I wanted to play it on this podcast whenever we talked about disease X, but we're talking about a false flag, a massive false flag event potential, and this guy apparently knows some people high up in Google or tech guys. Now listen to what this guy has to say. Anyway, so this is what's going on in Google. I have friends in tech, like very, uh, very high up in tech that are monitoring the situation. He said, uh, whoa, all right. He says, I got this email. Ides of March are on. They are prepping now. Dear advertiser, in February 2024, Google will update the inappropriate content policy to clarify the definition of sensitive uh, events. A sensitive event is an unforeseen event or development that creates significant risk to Google's ability to provide high quality, relevant information and ground truth and reduce insensitive or exploitative content and prominent and monetized features. During a sensitive event, we may take a variety of actions to address these risks. Examples of sensitive events include uh, significant social, cultural, or political impacts, such as civil emergencies, natural disasters, public health emergencies, terrorism, and related activities, conflict, or mass acts of violence. Examples of what's prohibited. Products or services that exploit, dismiss, or condone the sensitive event, including price gouging or artificially inflating prices that prohibits, restricts access to vital supplies, sales of products, blah, blah. Okay. So my buddy's like, it's on. They're prepping. They're ready to do it. And I said, what does that mean? He said, Google is changing their terms of service to get ready for a major event, controlling the way advertisers and publishers are allowed to talk about it in very specific ways. Hints as to what the event is are in the text. They mention inflation, price gouging, mass violence, victim blaming, and a bunch of stuff. Just read the text of it. So they will be able to turn off and shut down anyone using Google ads, publishers, content creators, advertisers that don't toe the line in the next unforeseen event. They call it a sensitive event. This would include all advertising on Google search, AdSense, YouTube. They say that they are about to make these changes to the TOS, but when you go to the website to see the new TOS, they aren't updated yet. 
They're getting prepped. I'm sure they have lawyers working on this, internal training going on, putting special moderators in place. Okay. So what I predict, which uh, I'm never totally right on, but I usually rhyme, like I'm usually within the ballpark, is uh, some form of banking collapse that will be um, that will be controlled. Like, don't be afraid of any of this shit, guys. All right. Anyways, um, yes, I received the exact same email and I got it from one of my clients and it said all the same stuff he just said. And this affects us in some ways, not really us for what for what I do marketing wise, but this will heavily affect other companies or other platforms or services that may, you know, say they're say they're a medical company, say they are a, a health and wellness company, say they are a um, doctor's office for that matter. I mean, say they are any of the things that could potentially uh, even a newspaper, a news agency, a, a media company. Um, a podcast, for example, any of this stuff. Right. But the reason why they're changing this and they just changed it for this year, you know, they talk about, by the way, this is something he completely missed. What it really talks about here is natural disasters, uh, pandemics or uh, health emergencies or civil emergencies. Right. So these are all the things that he really did not um, highlight. And this is one of the things when I was reading this, I was like, Okay, that's just weird that they make sure to mention all of these, you know, either civil emergencies, natural disasters, pandemics or diseases or health, I guess, is what they classify that as. And it does say that we will be updating our terms of service accordingly, which means right now this email is only for the advertisers, including us and, and you know, people like marketers or whoever. But this will also come to terms of service. Are they preparing for a false flag slash planned event uh, in 2024 to where they are going to be able to shut down any and every dissenting voice to whatever it is that they are going to push the narrative and agenda through. Um, Because I think this could be something big. And let me, let me give you my prediction of what this is. I don't think it's a banking collapse. I think this is, I think this is when we're talking about this, I think this is going to be tyranny. I think for whatever reason, whatever happens politically, whether it be war to where uh, this administration gets special war powers to where they say we're not getting out of office, um, we are going to select or put in to office a president that we choose or that it's just so obvious to the people that it's going to create a civil war based on something they they do. Well, what what is your thoughts on that, Sam or Sherry? Um, well, I think, first of all, it sounds like Google is really afraid they're not going to be able to censor the, the way they want to with those previous terms. <laughs> and so they apparently need some new ones to make sure they're covering all of their bases. I think we can see anything. I mean, at this point, I don't rule anything out at all. Um, I mean, Joe Biden's approval rate, the whole administration right now is like ridiculously low. And they keep being asked, you know, hey, why do you think your approval rating is so low? And their answer just is comical. I mean, he and Kamala both just say, well, you know, people just can't see, um, you know, what we've done for them. Yeah. So essentially you're calling the American public idiots and basically (laughs) saying, well, you just don't know how good we are for you, but trust us, we're really good for you. And the entire campaign, I mean, the only thing he's campaigning on right now is just saying that, you know, January 6th, was an insurrection and everyone is a white supremacist and a domestic terrorist. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how much more inflammatory do you need to get beyond what we've already been experiencing for the last few years? But I mean, as we approach this election coming up, we're getting really close to it. 
especially to the hardcore, you know, campaigning times or entering into the primaries. So things are about to get really heated. And I mean, I, I have no idea. I do not put a false flag past them. I definitely do not put some huge, you know, issue coming up, whether it be us entering into World War III, us having some sort of, you know, warlike event that's happening here in the United States, something crazy happening that does allow him to stay in power, um, elections being affected overall. I mean, who knows? It, it's to me, possibilities are endless. Yeah, let me uh, and, I, and I do want to ask you this. What is your I mean, you don't have to say like what what you vote or whatever, but. I would say you're probably middle road, right? I mean, as far as your belief systems, I mean, as much as we've talked, I think, is that probably where you're at? Yeah, I mean, registered libertarian. I mean, overall, I just want the government out of my life as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be honest. I have not voted in the last two elections because I could not support Hillary, Biden or Trump. I just Mm. none of them fit what I stand for and I could not in good conscience go out and cast a vote. And so this year I will be voting for RFK Jr. I recommend everyone to look into him. Um, I'm just excited that we at least may have a third option on the ballot. I think that could change things overall if our country just has a sense of like, maybe we actually have some choices. Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm definitely more moderate. I am more conservative leaning for sure. um, Especially on, you know, like financial and economic issues. But Really, what I am is just someone who is interested in the truth and what's really happening and trying to make the little bitty decision that I can to do what's best for this country. And unfortunately, you know, we're to a point now, like these terms of service with Google, where we're not even allowed to get all of the information. It's like, God forbid you just let people have all of the information and make up their minds for themselves. You know, that's... No, they can't do that because, I mean, that's the problem. That's what they're scared of. They're scared of conversation and discourse because when people actually talk through stuff, they usually get to the truth. And that's what they can't have. Right. I mean, that's. And when you're talking about they, who are you talking about, Chad? I'm talking about mass media. I'm talking about the conglomerates, the World Economic Forum, which is. Yeah. And what is what 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 do they value that? Like what you have to understand is that, you know. Keeping in mind how many of these elites, these uh, CEOs, these mm-hmm. these guys that are over Google. I mean, all of these people, by the way, all these people, the, the companies we're talking about, Google, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Apple, um, uh, T-Mobile, probably Verizon. I mean, there, there's so many of these top CEOs that are that are the top of these massive companies that control most of our information. Guess where they're going to be? They're going to be at Davos, Switzerland in two days. And they go there and they plan accordingly of how they're going to shift and push the narrative of whichever way they want it to go. And these people at Davos don't necessarily care as much about U.S. politics. I mean, all they want to really do is they want to degrade U.S. politics to be able to enforce their ideologies and their agenda. Mm -hmm. um, Because you can't really force agendas and ideologies if you have a strong government such as the United States used to have at some point. We don't have that anymore. And I think the ultimate goal is a one world government. Everyone getting on board with one one government. And that's what, you know, when Sam was talking about that before, when at the bottom, we're all divided. But as you go to the top, it's more smeared, I guess. And they're unified. And they're unified. Yeah, they really are. I mean, that was the best thing I've heard. I mean, that makes total sense. Well, you can't have a, a, a much smaller set of people, right, mm-hmm. at the top and be, you know, completely a cluster. Because if you did, then you would there's no way you'd be able to fully control millions of people. 
Um, although it is sad to me, I guess, how easy it is to control so many people mm-hmm. with so little people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam, we were going to have you on for a, for an episode um, a little while back, which we're probably still going to do. We just got to figure out the right timing and, and place and all that stuff to do it. Um, just on some of your thoughts and opinions on and we'll touch on this just for a second, but just just thoughts and opinions on. Um, uh, well, obviously, I guess I can say this. I mean, you're you're a, you're gay. And mm-hmm. um, and we, we had talked a little bit about because kind of the mindset and a lot of the stuff they're pushing nowadays. And it's not just in the LGBTQ plus whatever realm, but it's just in so many different realms. I mean, that's one of them. Right. I mean, you can look at Antifa, BLM, all these ideologies mm-hmm. to where things become religion. And it's not necessarily uh, it has nothing to do with you're gay or straight or white or black. They want you to also make it your religion. And you and, and that's the only thing you are right. You. You, you are, you're either white and if you're white, you're a white supremacist. If you're black, you're supposed to hate black. <laughs> you're supposed to hate white people. If you're Antifa, you're just supposed to hate everybody, I guess. I'm um, in LGBTQ. I don't know what their thing is, but regardless, it's like we had talked about this the other night a little bit as far as ideologies and what they're trying their very best to push. They want to take out God, whatever people believe about God, whatever, that's your own thing. But it's like, we're starting to see religion based um, ideologies and people just feel so hopeless nowadays that they do put their their hope and their religion almost their faith into idealistic uh, principles. Um, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Because we we talked about that the other night. But what is your thoughts? I guess just on the concept of people being uh, not only indoctrinated, but it's like uh, I, th- I think the government's trying to show people hope in ideologies, which also in turn really disrupt a lot of things. Yeah. Um, well, surprise. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. I'm coming out on your podcast. Oh, shit. My no, bad. Um, oh, oh, yeah. She's never come out before. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I Go mean, ahead. I've been out for like 17 years now. And, you know, the generation that I came up in is so far removed from right now. Um, and I hope your listeners have gathered at this point that, you know, I am... I share the views with you guys on this podcast and I'm sure with a lot of your listenership, Mm. we have this thing right now where everybody is divided. I don't think you could find a single person that can't fall into one of these labels that's been created. And one thing I would really like to um, just point out and hopefully, you know, maybe some of your listeners who don't know someone who's gay or, or maybe have negative opinions of the LGBTQ community that maybe just to, to kind of plant a seed to think about is that the LGBTQ community, that's actually just an acronym for, um, you know, a, a group of people, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer. And we've added a bunch of other letters. I'm not going to lie to you. I have trouble keeping up with them. But at <laughs> the end of the day, that's really just a demographic of people. And I happen to fall into the L of the LGBTQ. Oh, you're at um, the very beginning. However, you're number yeah, one. Know, right <laughs> you're <up> number front. <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that originally the community was started because all of those individual little groups didn't have much of a voice. And so we sort of band together to have a voice and be able just to, you know, stand up for rights for ourselves. And that is important. 100%. However, this weird thing has happened in the last, like, you know, five or six years, I would say where LGBTQ has actually become synonymous with a political movement. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for instance, you know, you had queers for Palestine, which is where, the community came out, you know, you would think as a whole, by the way, it was, you know, labeled 
um, in support of Palestine. And like, I'm not going to weigh in one way or the other on Israel, Palestine doesn't, I mean, I have thoughts and opinions. They're not really that crazy, but it doesn't really matter. Like that's, we're not a, we're not supposed to be any type of political organization. And that has very much become conflated between a political organization and just actually what LGBTQ is, which is simply a demographic of people. And it's made up of individuals and all of us really are just human beings. Um, and I think hopefully from what we've already talked about thus far, I agree with, I disagree, let's just say with a lot of what the quote unquote LGBTQ movement is promoting. Um, and I hate being lumped into that. I feel like this current generation, you know, early twenties, I think they're bored. Um, some of the things like identifying as this and that, and it's changing all the time. When I first came out, I literally almost committed suicide um, because I grew up in church and that I was told I was going to hell. Mm. So that's not something light for me. Um, and I actually find it really offensive, this generation that's just throwing all this stuff around and they want to be you know, out and like yelling mm-hmm. about stuff all the time and standing for this and standing for that. We're not a political organization, and the more that that keeps getting pushed in the mainstream media, and they're definitely perpetuating it even more than what it actually is. I mean, this is the same thing like on Twitter or anywhere else. The smallest group of people have the loudest voices, right? Mm -hmm. And so what you're seeing are definitely the most fanatical, radicalized, attention-seeking people, in my opinion, that want to be out in the middle of everything and protesting and whatnot. And it's just, to me... Being gay is a part of my identity, but it is not my entire identity. And there are so many people like me that I've talked to that feel the exact same way. It's it's as frustrating to us as it is to people who are straight and, you know, may not be super familiar with the community, but think that, you know, we're insanely annoying. Like, I I honestly could understand. (laughs) And by the way, the reason I wanted to just point that out about you is because, you know, you're a good friend of ours. And, um, you know, and I I just want people to understand that, you know, although, yes, we have had opinions on certain political parts or movements of the trans movement or the, you know, whatever. I mean, um, at the very least. And it's what you're saying. You're saying the trans movement. I think that's not even trans, but I'm saying not even trans. But when you say it, you say trans. You're not saying lesbian, gay movement. You're saying the trans movement. And I think there's a big difference. Gay and lesbian is something, a a sexual orientation. It's the way, you know, it's what, who they want to be with. Well, let let me rephrase what I said. Trans is somebody, the way they want to appear. Yeah, well, listen, it doesn't matter. What what I meant to say was the politicalization of the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community. Um, and, and I guess politics really wants to push the trans thing more than anything, um, especially political ideologies on both sides, actually. I mean, they, they, they really push both of those things. Um, and I guess our, my point was is that, you know, we've had so many conversations and actually we have a lot of uh, the LGBTQ listeners that uh, people that are in the gay and lesbian and, and whatever realm. And, you know, so many of you reach out to us all the time. And and I think the thing is and there's there's black people that listen to us. There's Chinese people that listen to us. There's Asians. There's um, there's whites. There's everybody. And I think that if we can just understand that we are all human in the end of the day and we can quit being divided by BS and politics that they want you to be divided on because they right. want, you, they want mm-hmm. you to say, hey, look at this LGBTQ crazy. Look at this black crazy that hates whites. Look at this white that hates blacks. Mm-hmm. Look at look at all this stuff. Look at this because while we're creating disease X, 
We want you guys to be just hating each other. But I think Sam said it so eloquently is that it's a smaller community within a community. There's, you know, when you think about communities, there's always smaller communities in other mm-hmm. communities. You're a part of this or community extremists. or this community, but everybody's a part of different communities in their communities. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that, you know, Sam's part of the gay lesbian community. We're part of a different community. I don't know. I well, can we're even, just plain ass whites. Yeah, I, guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I am part of that. I can like give an example right now, but whites. I'm just saying. But although she's a part of the gay lesbian community, she's still part of our community. Yeah. And I think what's kind of aggravating Sam is that they're putting her community in a political realm when they should not be. Yeah. And by the way, I want to I want to mention this. And I and we and Sam, you said if we ever got this, we could talk about it. So I'm, I'm going to for a second. And there's a reason I'm going to say this, because, you know, Sam and I were talking the other night about, you know, a lot of stuff. And we've we've said this on the podcast before about. You know, when we talk often about things that are depressing, because it is depressing. It, it, I don't want this podcast always to be doom and gloom, you know, but we also want people to be prepared and understand what's going on because mainstream media is not going to tell you that. Um, but, you know, also the, the fighting and, and the ideologies and, the, and, and so many people putting religion into this and this and this. And by the way, I'm not saying what happened, Sam, um, in your life necessarily 100% had to do with that. But I do think mental space and a lot of people's mental capacity nowadays as far as what they're experiencing on an everyday basis, the way the world is, all of these things are compounding on top of them. And if you do happen to be in a certain community or you have a certain something, um, that all that stuff really affects people differently. I mean, I, I've, I've said it on my or on many podcasts. Like I've been in, you know, some some down moments, uh, especially well, the past three or four months. Um but you, I, I know you had just went through something pretty difficult, right? And um, I don't know how much you want to talk about that. I don't know how much it even involves necessarily what we're talking about as far as, you know, the way the world is today, how, how, how you know, mental mindsets nowadays really play a, a huge part in what we're seeing today and just all these different aspects. But you went through something pretty deep a few, like a couple months ago, right? Yeah, so um, my girlfriend actually committed suicide, unfortunately, on November 11th, and she had bipolar disorder, um, and we could get into an entire thing about how broken our mental health care system is. She had, you know, attempted to get help. She was in therapy. She was on medication, you know, exercising, eating well, just doing all of the things. Um, She was very accomplished. She was actually a nurse practitioner, and from the outside, you know, most people had absolutely no idea <clears throat> that she was, you know, in that in that place that that could even happen. Um, one thing about her in particular is that, you know, she actually resonated far more with the LGBT community than I do just in terms of her identity. Um, that was a larger part of her identity. And, you know, I'm not disparaging anybody, you know, of course, that, that does identify that way. Yeah, yeah. But just for me, that's not the case. But you know, she was a humanitarian. Um, she had actually went to South Sudan and um, was doing work with Doctors Without Borders there. Um, she actually had moved to Alaska to work for, ironically, um, an organization that helped with mental health. And so her heart was always truly in helping people. And that's why I say I can tell you firsthand that we cannot just demonize uh, medical professionals because yeah. some of them, it's just really not the case. But you know, when you have someone like that, you know, someone who is willing to go to Africa, just, you know, just up and go and, and live in a tent, 
um, she felt things deeply, um, the good, the bad, everything. And I will definitely say that what is happening right now in the world, it, it played a role. I mean, to an extent, she had a lot of issues in her personal life that was kind of the catalyst, but she was very affected by everything that's happening. Um, it was hard for her to even really be able to pay close attention to the news and keep up with world events Mm -hmm. because it's just things right now. I mean, they are scary. And, you know, you and I were talking, Chad, that like, you know, we, we can talk about all of this. I think both you and I are both very knowledgeable. I would say you more than me about a variety of topics on, you know, around the world. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, I, I don't have an answer and I feel like we're screwed. And I think we just all have to kind of keep the faith and keep some hope. And if you do struggle with mental illness, I do also, um, don't let it get the best of you. You know, Mm. we just need, and, and like Sherry was saying, we are all in the same community, even though it is a very concerted effort right now to make us feel like we're not and to keep us divided. We really are in this together as they told us after Mm -hmm. COVID Mm -hmm. and then, you know, continue to divide us, but we are. And like, we really need to to look out for each other and, you know, keep in touch with your friends and your family. Even people that you may not think are struggling um, may be struggling. And we just really have to look out for each other and make sure that even though things seem super grim and super dark, that at the end of the day, like we are still alive. We do still have families. We have people who love us. You know, we obviously, love our country. Um, and we don't want to end up in a state of tyranny, which, you know, it's crazy because we always feel like, Oh, that could never happen to us. We see these other countries, you know, that are being bombed indiscriminately, um, that, you know, like North Korea, they live in starvation and complete totalitarian control. And it's just like, we cannot imagine that could ever happen here, but why Mm -hmm. not? You know, why, why do we think we are so special? I mean, yes, it's because of the way our government was established and we do have particular rights, but we have to really make sure that we keep on top of that because we're getting to a point right now that if we continue to, um, you know, kind of go along with the program and be programmed, we're going to end up in a situation where we've lost rights and we don't even, we didn't even see it happen. You know, it's like the, the frog and boiling water scenario where mm-hmm. if you turn up the slowly enough they don't realize that you know they're gonna Boy, die yeah absolutely no and i and i agree with that and and i think that we have to realize the war we're in right i mean we i, I think we're in a war right now and i think we're mm-hmm. in a war with good versus evil and that doesn't matter what color or what ideology or not ideology necessarily but it doesn't matter what color or sexual orientation or any of that stuff is it matters about like we have to wake up as people it doesn't make a damn if you like men or women or you're black mm-hmm. or white or asian it doesn't matter What matters is that we have to realize that we're human beings and there is a powerful force that is trying to enslave us. No matter how we want to look at that, they want to enslave us. They want to tyrannize us. They want to inject us with shit that is not safe for us. If anyone didn't just see what happened with COVID and has heard us talk for a million times, that is our enemy. Our enemy is not you, Sam. It's not some black guy on the street or a black girl or it's not some Asian dude. It's not none of those people. It's not some dude in a dress with a beard. No, it's it not matter. any of that. No, it's, it doesn't matter because we are all so unique and different. But if you think about it, we're all a part of the same world and we want the same things. Yes, I think. And, and, and by the way, I, I think maybe one of the first steps that you can do to start, you know, bridging the gap of of all of these different things, right? That's out there. I mean, you, you, you have to. 
you have to be well informed and you have to make people understand the reason why you got to be united, which is exactly what we're talking about. It's not about, you know, you can look at someone and say, look, I don't care if you're gay or lesbian or black or white or, or, uh, or hell, even, um, or even an alien. Yeah. Well, like. I mean, yeah, at this point, I mean, honestly, <laughs> like it, it, seriously, aliens might really be able to help us. We don't know. I, uh, I welcome it. At this yeah, point. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I mean, we, we got to quit looking at that stuff. And, and listen, I understand that they're going to highlight things from all these different classes of people, including whites and blacks and all this. They're going to highlight this on mainstream media to make you hate that side. They, they want mm-hmm. to try to make you hate that side. Yeah, they, do. they, they, they want right. to make that side. They want to make you believe that side is against you. Mm-hmm. And they want that side to also believe that you were against them. Exactly. Um, yeah. But if it's we. It, dividing but, and conquering. But exactly. And, and if we had a chance of open discourse where all of these different people could come together, whether they raised hell and bitched each other to eternity, um, I don't think they would, though. I, I think eventually the people would 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 if you took away mainstream media and took away government um, uh, agendas and all this stuff, I think eventually people would start figuring out, look. I don't give a damn what you are. I don't care what color. You're. I, you know, but but if you allowed people to also see the bigger picture, like here's who our actual enemy is. It's not us. It is them. Um, and they want you to think it's us and it's not. And I think when we talk about something like disease X, we talk about all these things. The only way that we're ever going to defeat this global battle is by coming together. And I don't know. I, I literally said if someone should create any organization today, it should be called like the Unity Project or the Unity Organization to where your main goal is not really necessarily political or any of that shit. You're just trying to do whatever you can to bring people together to look at the big picture and say, hey, here's our enemy. But you got to yep. go to the top too, like <laughs> – in our history, no one, even from the beginning in times of the Bible, no one's been united. No, no. No one has. Crazy. It's always been fighting and wars in this, you know, this country against this country or, you this know, race this against land this race. or against this land. Yeah. There, in our known times of civilization, I don't know if there's ever been like real peace. But you know what the weird thing is? And, and, and Sam, you can you can say whatever you want to say after this, but. You know what the weird thing is? We had the opportunity with information, right? We, we literally had the opportunity to bring everyone together with technology. But what did we do? And it wasn't our fault, by yeah. the way. It was we literally intentionally did the opposite. Yeah, we took we, people off and divided. Yeah, we made sure that we divided. We actually used technology for the benefit of their benefit, by mm-hmm. the way, of dividing, not right. bringing people together. Right. But the reality is, is that, yes, you're right. We, we have had we have had problems throughout our time with Indians versus whites or cowboys. And right. and even back in biblical days, you had these nations and countries and and all these people that wanted to just kill it's each all other fighting. But we should have used technology to bring people together. And instead, we used it. I think yeah, but for there's the got to be some kind of message about that, like. You know, why is there always fighting and division and power struggles in this kingdom against this kingdom? I don't know. You know, you got to figure out that power struggle to figure out the why. And then if you figure out the why, then you can fix it. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, Sam? I would caution people of looking at groups as an abstract. So, for instance, when I first came out, when I was like 20 years old, um, I lived in a really small town. I mean, if, if the theory that your kid being around a gay person would make them gay, then I should be straight because I literally did not know a single gay person until me. (laughs) And so my family, a lot of my family 
you know, whom I had heard talk for years, like, you know, demonizing gay people. Once they found out that I was gay, it was this tangible, like, issue for them that they just could not reconcile because they're like, wait a minute, like, but we like you. We we love you. You're not weird. You're not this. You're not mm-hmm. that. And it was really hard for them to kind of reconcile, like, well, how can I feel both ways at one time? And so when I say abstract, I just mean that every day, like, you know, I'm a mom. I'm divorced. I live in the suburbs. I am as as normal as anybody could be. And anybody listening to this, more than likely, you live in a neighborhood that has people of other ethnicities, other sexual orientations. Mm-hmm. Um, you work with them when you go to Target or Walmart or whatever to shop. Especially like, Target. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I had to make that joke. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, I mean, but none of us are just out like fighting each other on a, on a one-to-one level. I mean, I've always even thought about this in terms of war, you know, it's like we go to war and, and these Mm -hmm. militaries are fighting against one another. But if you were to take one soldier from one country and one soldier from another country and, and put them in a room and, and have them meet one another and not realize that there is a war going on, they're not going to want to kill each other. I mean, why would they? That's right. just not a, a I yeah. mean, unless you're. Insane, and I guarantee you know, they actually, I guarantee they actually have more in common than they do apart. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Especially well, if sure. you're a soldier. Especially, yeah, I know. And they've actually had some of these interviews yeah. with Hamas and Israeli soldiers. Well, even Russia, Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. Like, I think they're all like pretty pure people and they just, you know, they value their country and they're doing this. For their country, but it's they're not, doing this for the elites. They're doing this for the. <laughs> they're power. not necessarily doing it for themselves. They're doing what they're told to do. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's programming for sure. But you know, just just be mindful that, like everything else, there is an agenda um, that's being pushed, and just try to look at people as individuals in every facet. You know, don't don't be fooled by what the media is trying to do in terms of dividing us, because we've all lived our lives before the internet, before. You know, cable news was huge with people that were so different from us in so many ways. And yet we all managed to get along. You know, it was amazing. We were mm-hmm. able to have conversations. People could disagree. We didn't have to disown family members over it. You know, we're in a different time right now. And the only thing that has really changed is the information that we're being fed. And to your point, Chad, we have so much more information now, and it could actually have had a positive effect. But instead, it's it's been used nefariously to pit us against one another and it doesn't have to be that way we still have an opportunity to utilize the information in a positive way and to not give in to you know the agenda not give in to the narrative that we are so divided just look around and see that actually we're not you know what's funny is like to your point do you know how many gay and lesbians that they highlight on mainstream media that like um that really highlights the the truth you know, like say for for example, you have uh, well, I mean, and they really don't do this in any way, shape, or form of CNN. But if you wanted to bring people together, you would really want to stop this divide. It could easily be done. I mean, you could have a lesbian or a gay person come on and talk about pro Israel. If you wanted to be, you know, if you wanted to be pro Israel, you could make gay and lesbians maybe go along with pro Israel. You can make them go along with this or that. But the very least, you could use um, ideologies or or beliefs or sexual orientations or races. You could make them all just come together in ways that you would share all of their opinions the same way you do all these experts or all these other people. But they don't do that because they don't want to do that. They don't ever dare want someone to speak up. And and especially these 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 communities are much smaller. You just gave me a great idea, Chad. What? 
We should have a panel of like one person from each like place. From each, yeah, each thing. Yeah. yeah. Like e- either race, sexual orientation, or whatever. Or even the way they relate well, we really as debate. a gender or I mean, whatever. Debate, no, but. just not debate, but just talk about topics. I would you just know, like people from like all different avenues all over the yeah, world. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Well, and listen, I mean, I don't know. And here's the thing like, we, and we've said this on other podcasts when we did the Israel Hamas stuff. Yeah, we had obviously our opinions, and, and Sam and I talked about this, and you were on the speaker as well with us, but even with the Israel-Hamas stuff, which we're not going to get into right now, but um, but I told Sam, I was like, there's a lot of things I've also thought about after the fact, right? I mean, and there are always things and other things to consider, but at the same time, I think that, I think what we have to do some way in some shape or form, if someone says, how do we... How do we beat what is against us right now? Mm-hmm. Division is absolutely the absolute wrong answer. Yeah. And I, when I think about people that I dislike the most, I'm going to have to say it's Antifa probably. <laughs> well, but see, but even but yeah, even but them have I, no idea what the hell they're even talking exactly, about. Exactly. But if we got somebody that was Antifa and, you know, discussed no, but, things with them, I don't know. I don't well, know. Listen, I, I get what you're saying, but but there's but there's also so many of these people that are so brainwashed. There's yes. just, there's, there's going to be absolutely no way. I mean, you have yeah, to understand, that's true too. you have to understand Antifa means anti-fascist, which is literally what they're, what they're campaigning for. I mean, that's what's, that's what's so asinine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even you know. like, you know, you're saying all of these groups end up being religions and you are not wrong about that. And, you know, there's a lot of people who, the, the people who are being pushed in the media, I'll just use my own community as an example that are being hyped up for this or that. These people are not relatable to me. Um, they are unrecognizable as far as how I identify. And this is one thing that got super frustrating for me is that because I do lean more right. Um, I basically just consume independent journalism. Um, I listen to tons of podcasts. I watch lots of, you know, YouTube podcasts and interviews and stuff like that. And the one thing that kept coming up is just this hatred almost for the LGBTQ community, but Mm -hmm. what was being hated and what was, um, what they were so, you know, irritated with is not actually the majority of us in the community. You know, I don't see anyone to your point, Chad, I don't see anyone that's being interviewed on CNN. That's like me, you know, they're not, they're not talking to me. No, but I, because you're Fox Fox news because they don't want to talk to (laughs) you because you're, you are too much like everyone else, you know, but Fox News (laughs) never talked to me either is the funny thing is I probably, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not a Fox news supporter but if you were to just take all of the issues and like check some boxes i probably do fall more on the side of fox news but fox news has to continue their whole narrative that the lgbt community is like out to get you i mean Mm -hmm. i'm not even sure what it is that we're supposed to be doing that's out to get everyone but apparently it's really bad well Well, i I think it's the parades and the showing of like you know just keep that's the politicalization keep sex in your own bedroom i'm not going to have sex in the street and nor should you like i don't care what orientation you are i don't want to see your ass on the street (laughs) yeah or especially in front of kids i mean yeah those are like i just don't want to see that yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree, but that is such a small... Exactly, yeah. Like, but this I mean, is the, what they show on exactly. media. Which is why we don't yeah. believe media, right? Yeah, and you don't even realize... This This is the thing, is like you don't realize how many people around you are, you know, part of the community, the LGBTQ community. And it's because the ones that you don't know about, it's that like, I'm not out flying a rainbow flag in front of my house. I don't go to parades. I don't Here even go. like regular parades. I'm definitely not going to like a parade <laughs> you know, to, to walk around with guys in like little skibbies. It's just not my thing. And that I'm that my point is that 
I am not an outlier. If anything, I think the people that we're seeing in the media that are being portrayed, you know, so ostentatiously and, you know, flamboyantly, I guess is the word I would use. Mm -hmm. Those are more of the outliers. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Sam, the reason why we wanted to bring you on is because number one, you're, you're very well-spoken and, um, you, you you know, when, when, I mean, well, when we talked to you, we had so much in common and and talked about a lot of the same things and you were, you, you had a lot of, uh, also very good ideas, which, you know, We'll definitely bring you back on in the future for so many of these other ideas as well. We definitely not cannot cover everything because when we had the conversation the other night, we probably covered about forty topics in <laughs> an hour, an hour and thirty minutes. We really did. Um, but it's also, I think, good to. That's why I had to mention it because I think that you know because you are part of that community. I want to highlight the fact that you are, and I also want people to see, like, hey, you're a normal it's not, person. Yeah, it's not all you're you not see like on crazy. mainstream media. You're not running around with a g-string up your butt down the street. Well, we don't. Well, Trust I mean, there, there's straight girls that do. But there are straight girls that do that. I, I can no, tell you that right those now. Those straight girls are just on poles, babe. No, they're out. They're out running the streets too. I've seen them run the streets as well. Um. <sighs> but anyways, um, so anyways, I, I guess the point here is is that we have to. The whole point of this, where we kind of got into all this, is is that there is a massive agenda at play. And, there's, mm-hmm. and it's the, the agenda is at play against us, the people. It doesn't matter what you are. Um, and while this agenda is being played out, they are creating new viruses that potentially could kill a lot more people than COVID ever thought about. I know there's people out there, by the way, also that think COVID never existed. And listen, there are some people already out there saying that COVID actually never existed. Now, there's a lot of different rabbit holes we could go down there as far as how they treated certain things and all this. We don't know. But at the very least, um, Sam, we're glad to have you on. Disease X is going to be something that we got to keep an eye on, on on 2024. Will this be will this be the year of the next pandemic? Because, you know, when I look when I look at the covid stuff or not, sorry, not the COVID stuff, the Google uh, terms of service and the ad uh, terms of service that are mm-hmm. actually being put out there right now. Um, you know, it's, it worries me. It worries me that this whole disease X thing, you, you got, you got the world economic forum in two days. It's about to simulate this. Um, and if you remember COVID-19, I think event 201 was just a few months before COVID-19 came out. I would wish they would live stream this whole thing. Oh, they, well, <laughs> they, they do do some public stuff and they will mm-hmm. probably release a video, by the way. They did on event 201, mm-hmm. which I was going to play tonight. But if you guys want to see the event 201 video, well, they have it on the World Economic Forum's website. But if you want an easy way to see it, just go to our Facebook Investigators Podcast and um, our our Facebook is the best way you can see like personal pictures and things we do on a daily basis. Obviously, we can't necessarily talk about the stuff we talk about here. Um, if you want to see stuff that we may not bring to the podcast anytime soon, but we're you know talking about, just go to our X, go check that out. Um, and Sam, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? We got. I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk about other craziness 2024 is going to be a year to remember <laughs> or not <laughs> um, right hopefully <laughs> or not remember um you have anything uh to say closing um i mean we could go down a million rabbit holes as we did but um for tonight i just want to thank you guys for letting me come on and i would absolutely love to come back in the future and we can talk about all of the things yeah absolutely well sam thank you so much um for coming on it, it has been a pleasure uh guys listen this is going to be one of those years. I'm telling you, we've we've all we've been saying this. 2024 is going to be a shit show. We keep saying this, and I do think that 
it's something that um, we got to be prepared for. And as we did talk a little bit earlier about mental health and just some of that stuff and how it is affecting all of us, you know, like I said, that is something I do worry about when we talk about subjects like this. But I also think it's better to be prepared than not. And that is also a reason why Sherry and I are exploring the Bible in our biblical series, even though I think we got to have an episode coming up um, about that as well. Uh, All of us are searching and um, just know that we're here searching with you guys. Um, Anything you ever want to reach out and, and say or questions or thoughts or if you need somebody to talk to any of that stuff, go to our Facebook Invest the Earth podcast, go to our X Either way, um, but that's going to be it for this episode, guys. We love you. Um, Until next time, this is Mind Me, Shut Up. And and by the way, the reason why we say this, because we're getting tired of the World Economic Forum's bullshit. Yeah, so shut up, economic (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, have a good one. Thank you.